It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It's episode number 46, and this is John recording and broadcasting live from, well, not live technically, I mean, I'm going to put it up in about uh, 20 or 30 minutes, close enough to a live, I'd say, but episode number 46 in the Nagoya, Japan here, fantastic weather again today. As you probably know by now, um, I've mentioned that I think a couple of days ago, the weather at the end of the week, uh, well, it's a long weekend this week, isn't it? And uh what is it? Today's Thursday, so tomorrow's off. So we get three days off from tomorrow, which is going to be fantastic. And the weather is going to get a little bit ugly, apparently, towards the end of that long weekend, which is a little bit unfortunate. But uh, that just means we'll have to enjoy Friday and Saturday as much as we can, right? So make sure you get up to a little bit, bit of mischief and uh, enjoy yourselves at the early stages of the long weekend. Today, as always, we have a word of the day at the end of the episode, so make sure you hang around till then so you catch that. I can't believe we've done 46 of those already. I actually put a little compilation together of the little graphic cards that I make with the words and the pronunciation and the definition on there. Um, It was really kind of interesting to see how they've evolved over the last, it's been about three months already since I started this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I put that out the other day, so you can check that out on my timeline. I might retweet it because it might be buried by now. I put it out about three days ago or so, and you could actually see how it's evolved over time. When we first started doing those Word of the Day cards, I only had the Japanese on there. And um, I can't remember. Maybe I didn't even have the English on there. I think it was just the Japanese. And then I put the English on, and then I realized that, um, you know, if you didn't know how to read uh Hiragana, no, sorry, even the Hiragana wasn't on there before, uh, which is called Furigana, um, the little assistance kind of kan- uh, hi- uh, writing that you put above kanji so that people can read it in uh, in Hiragana. That wasn't there either. So I added that. And then um, we had some people saying that, you know, a bit of explanation, you know, a bit of English, uh, more in-depth kind of an explanation might help. So I sort of started adding the context of the word because if you've been a, a regular listener, you might know by now that I usually or, or almost always choose a word that's connected to the day's uh, stories and the day's topics. So, um, yeah, I'll add that context as well to the card. And I really like how they've turned out. I mean, they've, they've come a long way um, within this short, what is it, three months? And um, yeah, thanks to everyone who's given feedback and uh, sort of 
supported me in those. And um, yeah, so you can see how they've evolved over time. And uh, hopefully, I don't know what's going to happen to them next. I, I actually think um, they're, they're not too bad as they are at the moment, but you never know. Um, I might find something else to, to change on them again. So keep the, uh, the feedback coming. Let me know if there's anything you'd like me to change or add on those. I'll consider all, uh, all reasonable feedback and opinions. Yes. So that'll be at the end of the episode as always. And uh, today we've got another few things to bring up. We've got travel, we've got memes. Uh, Want to bring up bilingual personalities again, which I brought up uh, in a previous episode. Um, and just want to follow up on that. And uh, the invoice system, and also the yen versus the dollar. It's hit a one year high, topping 151 yen yesterday. Jeez. <laughs> that's um that's quite a quite a high and let's begin okay so starting off with travel um the other day someone mentioned uh that they wanted to know how to find out when the last train was in japan and uh, i actually did this yesterday as a live broadcast yesterday for the first time we had our live our first ohazas live uh stream and on that live stream, I used a piece of software called OBS, which is a streaming software, which means you can capture video from either your computer screen or from a camera or both. Uh, you can uh, capture audio, all sorts of fantastic things. But it's basically whenever you see someone doing a live stream or something like that, they, they, most of the people are using something called this piece of software called OBS. And so that was kind of fun. I hadn't used that in a very long time. So I spent about an hour or two figuring out the details. I, um, you have to set up a couple of things on the, on your X, uh, slash Twitter account. And you've got to get something called a stream key and copy and paste that into OBS. And I won't get too technical. It's a bit, you know, um, it can get a bit overwhelming, but basically you set it all up and then you hit start streaming and off you go your face and your screen are all over the internet. <laughs> um, so I put that out yesterday to help uh, to show people how to use Google Maps to find out when the last train is in Japan. So that was really convenient and easy. If you want to see that, you can just head over to the um, Twitter slash X timeline at Ohazas podcast and um, you'll see how that works in action. And you'll be able to see how um, how both the live streaming sort of works and how it looks and also hopefully you can if you didn't know how to look up the last train using google maps you'll hopefully also learn how to do that as well and um, i think this is going to be really handy for a, a few things whenever there's sort of like official information on a website or i need to provide instructions or a tutorial on how to fill out a form or how to um, look up info all that kind of stuff Basically, this is going to be really helpful for that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to using that. And I also thought about, I've been thinking about this and I need a bit of time to sort of sit down and work out the technical details, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be possible. I'd like to be able to record this audio that I'm recording right now, but at the same time also record um, the actual podcast itself, like with my face, like a video. Is video podcasting a word? I'm not sure. But so... I'd like to be able to sort of stream this, uh, this podcast live, or maybe even if it's not live, it doesn't need to be live, but I could record myself, right? And um, that's actually one of the reasons why I signed up to Verified on X 
is so that I can upload extended videos because normally on Twitter or X, whatever we can call it these days, uh, the video length is capped at two, uh, two minutes and 20 seconds. And that's obviously not long enough for uploading uh, a podcast. So it's actually it's actually great that I'm talking about it like this now because I just crossed my mind literally right now that it doesn't need to be a live broadcast. Um, I could just record myself doing uh, the podcast and if there need to be edits or the thing is with podcasting, uh, the audio needs to be uh, sort of optimized a little bit so that it sounds better. It doesn't, if I were to do this live um, it would lose a lot of its uh, quality, the noise cancelling. And there's also some things that are done to make the voice a bit clearer and easier to listen to. And, and then there's also the aspect of, you know, adding the intro music and the exit music and that sort of stuff. So I, I know there are ways to do that live as well, but, you know, um, it, I'll need a couple of other things to set up and, you know, this and that. But, um, but yeah, I could actually just simply record myself uh, speaking and I could, later on, I could um, just create a video. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think the maximum length of a video that you can upload with Verified X account is about an hour, I think it is. So that's actually pretty generous, pretty good. Um, as you know, my podcasts are usually about, you know, average of about 15 minutes or so. Sometimes they go up to about 20, 25 minutes, but most of the time they're 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, somewhere around there. So yeah, so that's something to look out for. Um, I look forward to sort of using that and uh, to help people learn things that they need to do in Japan or something that's Japan related, maybe language related. There's a lot of language resources I'd love to share and show on, uh, on this account. And so that should be interesting. On to this topic of uh, memes. Recently, I don't know what it, what's going on out there um, outside of Japan, but all of the, the accounts out there on Instagram, and so on, there are a few accounts that are putting out really bizarre kind of fake pictures of Japan and talking about Japan, um, it's kind of like fake news about Japanese tourism and stuff like that, like Japanese landmarks, which have been misnamed. Uh, Mount Fuji, yesterday Mount Fuji was copy and pasted out of who knows where and placed behind Asakusa's uh, Shotengai, you know, obviously in a totally different direction and like all that kind of stuff. And just as a joke, I, um, I slapped together an image consisting of Kiyomizudera and uh, Fujisan, Tokyo Sky Tree, Tokyo Tower and um, Akihabara in the background. And I also, just for a little added touch, I added a, a deer from Nara in the left-hand corner there. Um, and, uh, yes, so that kind of thing, I'm not sure how it begun, but yeah, just as a parody, I kind of put that out yesterday, but it's, it's, it's interesting why, I don't know why people feel they have to lie about Japan. I mean, Japan already has some fantastic views. I guess they want to get attention. Maybe they know that, uh, that some people will react the way that we, we react and, um, you know, on, on social media with these sort of, uh, what do you call them? Not low life is not the word, but pretty much low life kind of low caliber accounts that uh, will do anything to get a bit of attention. Um, I wouldn't put it past them, you know, that they do this kind of thing on purpose to kind of uh, 
to kind of rock the boat a bit and get a bit of engagement and a bit of action. Yeah. So anyway, keep an eye out for that kind of thing and uh, feel free to share it and mention us in the timeline. Always love kind of laughing and that kind of stuff and uh, and making up my own little uh, versions of that kind of thing. Yes. Anyway, um, moving on to bilingual personalities, which is something I brought up a few episodes ago Um and I still haven't bought that book. There's a, a fantastic book out there by some a professor named Fran, Francois Grosjean. Uh, sorry, uh, professor, if I mispronounce your surname, but um, I'm, I've been interested in this topic for a very long time. And, um, you know, it keeps coming up in work and, uh, you know, just friend, friend relationships. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting, you know, with, with languages, uh, you know, I'll backtrack a little bit and I'll tell you a little bit about Fr- Francois's uh, uh, sort of theories or explanations about this kind of thing. And it's something I, I want to study more about because it's something that affects me personally. And that is that with uh, bilingualism, when you've got someone who speaks two languages, do they have two different personalities? Like, um, in other words, does their personality change when they're speaking a different language? And there's been research in this field and it's actually really, really interesting stuff. And um, as you might expect, I mean, obviously, our, you know, unless you have a, um, some kind of a multiple personality uh, disorder, um, you don't have like two personalities when you, when, you know, when you're speaking a different language. But the research actually shows that your, you know, your behavior might change or might adjust is, I think, the wording that they use, depending on your environment. And... Um, you know, if we step back and sort of look at even a mono, monolingual person who only speaks one language, their behavior changes too, even with the one language, depending on who they're with, um, their environment. You know, for example, uh, someone might speak very differently or act very differently when they're at school. Say, let's just say as an example, a high school student. A high school student will behave very differently in a class. Um, compared to when they're out with their friends, for example. And you wouldn't say that they have two different personalities. Um, it's just that their their behavior is adapting or they're, they're exhibiting different behavior depending on where they are, um, who they're surrounded by, what they need to be doing and all that kind of stuff. It gets very complicated, I imagine. Um, but when it comes to bilingualism, the differences can be quite pronounced or quite... Um, I guess you could say they're more easy to identify the differences because in some cases in the research, it actually shows that very different wording is used by the same person trying to say the same thing. They use very different wording. And so if you weren't bilingual, you might think that this person was saying two different things, whereas the bilingual person interprets those two very different wordings as the same thing. Because what they're saying is not based on you know, a machine translation of the language, which is what a lot of uh, language learners uh, will do in the beginning. And that's because there's no other way to do it. You know, you can't understand what the other person is thinking. So the first step in learning a language is sort of, you know, learning A equals B and or A equals A or whatever. Um, but after a while, after you get to learn the language on a, on a deeper level, you start learning that sometimes A doesn't equal A, and sometimes A equals C, and sometimes A equals nothing, as in you don't say anything in that situation, and vice versa. So 
there's all these things that come up. But it's it's interesting because let's say, for example, how does this you know affect us at work? Um, at work, it makes a huge difference because you might be dealing with someone. Let's say you're dealing with someone who is not bilingual, and you're trying to convey something in another language. They might completely misunderstand you. They might be like, "Oh, he's you know, he's saying this. Why is he saying you know? Why is he saying this thing this way?" Because I wouldn't say that in Japanese, for example. Whereas if they knew both languages, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, he's you know he's saying the same thing." Um, so it can it can lead to confusion. It can lead to some kind of uh, you know miscommunication, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it can be it can be an interesting thing to deal with. And and there are situations where I myself I'll I'll occasionally question myself as well, like. And uh, you know, and that's why this um, this whole topic kind of cap, you know caught my attention, is because when I saw that headline, like, do bilinguals have two personalities, or different personalities? It sort of got me thinking because there are situations where sometimes you know your behaviour is so different, or not behaviour, your, your words or your the way you speak. In my situation, I think it's the way I speak. Sometimes I think. There are times when I speak in a certain way in Japanese, and I'd never speak like that in English,、um, and vice versa. You know, not in all situations, mind you. It's it's just in some situations, like especially when it comes to being polite, things like that. I mean, it's very very different, isn't it?、Um, and there are also other times when I'm in very casual situations, and there are. Expressions that I use in Japanese that I probably wouldn't use as much in English, and、um, I think it also comes down to. I mean, the more you think about it, it actually gets really interesting and it goes really deep. But、um, I think it goes back to you know the the expressions that you sort of started using or be, the expressions that became normal to you when you were in a certain situation in another language, and that becomes the norm in that language. Um, and so, you sort of start expressing things、uh, automatically in a certain way, because that association has been made,、um, the 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 linguistic association to that experience or that emotion or that situation has been kind of set neurologically, like in your brain, and it's just that's you know once that's been set. That's what it becomes, and it's it's very difficult to sort of change that. I think once once that's in place,、um, so yeah, very interesting thing, and I'm very very keen to to look into that. So I think this week I will have to. I'm actually going to write it down now. Buy book. Once I write things down on this little post-it pad, they usually get done. Usually about eighty-five percent of the time.、Um, buy book. Francois, I'm going to have to buy. It's on Amazon. I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon. Um, but I'm going to have to have a look, and when I get it,、um, I will take a photo and I'll share it, and I'll hopefully speak about it again later on as I learn about、uh, what's going on, because it's something I'd love to figure out, you know, because、um, it's yeah,、uh, it's an interesting topic. Anyway,、um, next up, the invoice sedo is something that has come up on and off. It's a big topic for everyone, especially but those of us who. Um, are engaged in any type of small business, or if we are sole proprietors, there are English teachers, people doing translation, 
all that kind of stuff. I myself do a little bit of teaching. I also do some project support and some translation. And um, in my situation, I found it worthwhile to register for the invoice system. And this morning, one of our um, followers on Twitter, Dave, uh, was asking if any English teachers have registered for the invoice system. And, you know, the, this actually started in October. It started a month ago. And you're, you won't get in trouble if you're not registered for it. It's nothing like that. It just means that you have to do your paperwork differently. And um, it also means the biggest difference and the biggest reason why a lot of small business uh, owners or sole proprietors are complaining and freelancers as well, obviously, why they're complaining is uh, their effective income sort of, it effect, their income effectively it sort of comes down by about 10% because sales tax is 10%, right? Shohize, it's called in Japanese. Um, in Australia, it's called GST, goods and services tax. But um, that's 10% for most things in Japan. There are some things which are 8%, but just let's keep it simple for the sake of this uh, conversation. It's usually 10%. So let's say, for example, you are an English teacher and up till now, or up till October, you were charging, let's say, uh, let's say you were charging 5,000 yen per hour. Um, and that's actually great. Congratulations to you if you can charge 5,000 yen per hour. That's a pretty good rate. Um, and you were most likely charging 10% tax on top of that, meaning that you were um, invoicing your student or your customer for 5,500 yen for the hour. 500 yen being the sales tax or the shohize, consumption tax. And um, so what's happened after October is unless you register for the system, you are now not able, you are not allowed, it's actually illegal, you cannot ask your customer to pay the 500 yen tax on top of the 5,000 yen hourly fee. So if you were charging 5,500 yen, you will now only be able to charge 5,000 yen unless you, you know, increase your prices and tell your customer that, hey, starting from October, because I'm not registering for the invoice system, I'm going to have to charge you 5,500 yen per hour. And if your customer agrees, great. Then you don't have, really, you don't have anything to worry about and you can just keep going like that, right? Um, unfortunately, in many cases, especially when you're working with larger projects and larger clients, um, they will not be happy about you raising your prices. And if someone, if your competition doesn't raise their prices, then obviously you are at a disadvantage. They might go to your competition. Um, obviously, this isn't the case where money is the only factor. Um, obviously, it's not always the case. Obviously, hopefully, it's your money, your service, your quality, your, all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, just for the sake of this conversation, let's just say if it were to be based on money, all else equal, um, then it would disadvantage you to be charging more than your competition, right? Um, and, and you might be saying, well, hey, um, what's the difference between before and now? Because before the people who were collecting tax, didn't they have to kind of pay that back anyway? Because in most systems, like where I'm from in Australia, where if you collect GST, you have to pay back GST, right? Like, I mean, that's, it makes sense. You can't just collect tax and keep it, right? Um, well, that's where the, the whole issue starts, is that in Japan, until this new system came into effect, 
if you are making less than 10 million yen a year, you're actually in a category, a tax exempt category, where you could keep the consumption tax that you had collected, which means that it was basically your income, right? So that's where people are, are upset because their incomes, if, if you are a freelancer, and this I think is a lot of freelancers fall into this bracket, um, people who make less than 10 million yen a year. And so up until now, if you're a freelancer and you're making less than 10 million dollars, uh, 10 million yen a year, um, all of a sudden your income now goes down by 10%. And that's a massive cut. So that's why a lot of people, you know, were sort of jumping up and down about this system. Now, I think I'm not, I'm not a lawyer or, a, or, a, um, or an accountant or a financial professional. So please just, you know, don't, don't take my word as advice or anything like that. I'm just sharing information that, that I know. Um, there, I have heard of some cases here in, uh, in Japan where, and this is apparently, I don't know how illegal it is, um, but I know that the government has put out some information advising businesses that they shouldn't be pressuring people or they shouldn't be threatening people that uh, unless, you know, unless you get registered for the uh, invoice system, I'm not going to give you any more work. Like there was some kind of official announcement from the government about that, like that companies shouldn't be doing that. Suppliers, oh sorry, customers shouldn't be saying things like that to their suppliers. And um, unfortunately, I have heard of a couple of cases, big, uh, big English conversation school companies, schools or whatever, um, have told some of their or all of their contract employees. And this is important. I mean, this is where it gets a bit gray um, because, you know, if you're a contract employee, it's on a, you're on a contract basis. And if you don't want to agree to a contract, it's you're free to refuse. No one's forcing you to sign a contract. So if you don't like the terms, then you can just not sign, right? And that's where it's a bit gray because, you know, yes, the companies are telling their contractors, like, unless you sign up to the new invoice system, we're not going to renew, renew your contract. Yes, it's kind of, I guess, you know, it, it's a threat. Um, however, um, the, the contractor has the option to not sign if they don't like the uh, the terms. So it's a very gray area, that one, um, the, the part about it being illegal or not, but um, obviously these companies think they can get away with it, so they're doing it. They're literally telling their contract staff, um, and this is official, like I've actually heard of and seen emails that say this to their, you know, I've had uh, acquaintances and friends who have told me about this, that, hey, the other day I got this email and um, the companies told me that unless I register for the invoice system, they're not going to give me work anymore or they're not going to renew my contract, something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's not really, um, uh, it's a bit uh, questionable whether or not, you know, the companies can be doing this, but uh, they're doing it. So anyway, I hope that uh, gives you a bit of background on the on the system and why people are a bit against it and, and all that. Um, yeah, there are, there are a couple of good links out there. Um, there's a couple of good YouTube videos that helped me out to understand the system. They were in Japanese or they are in Japanese. However, on YouTube these days, I don't know if you know, but uh, there, there's a fantastic little button there in the, in the corner 
where you can automatically generate uh, translated subtitles and things like that. So that's really handy. So I'll check that out. I'll see if the, those subtitles are available because I know ev not everyone, um, not all my listeners can read or speak Japanese. So um, I'll see if there's a like an English friendly version of one of those videos. Very, very, not too long. I think it was about 15 minutes long and very, very detailed. Like it just ha had just the right amount of detail. And I was like, aha, now it makes sense. Okay. And as they say, knowledge is power. So it's good to know the details behind these things. And it's not good to sort of completely rely on what people on social media say. There's a lot of information out there on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook, you know, and it's all anecdotal. Some of it is true, some of it will apply to you, and some of it is just pure BS. Like it'll just scare you and unnecessarily, you know, sort of freak you out. So just be careful with that kind of thing. Do your own research and uh, see how you go. Anyway, um, that's all for today's episode. Sorry, it dragged on a bit. We're almost at half an hour today, geez. Um, word of the day. With no further delay, let's get to word of the day. Today's word of the day is connected to the first thing I spoke about today, which was live streaming. How we uh, did our first live stream yesterday. And uh, the word for live streaming, actually, um, it, it's uh, it consists of two components in Japanese. The first component is nama, which means raw. Um, anyone who enjoys the occasional beer will know that nama means draft beer. And... Um, it means it also means raw. So you could say if you know when fish is not cooked, it's nama, right? Um, raw. There's raw meat. There's raw fish. There's and in this case, it means live because it's raw. It's not edited. Um, it's just as it is. So that's another way nama can be used. So nama is the first component of this word, and the second component is actually consists of two kanji. Um, so nama is one kanji, then the next two are haishin, haishin. Haishin means to broadcast. And um, so nama haishin, nama haishin is live broadcast. And so as always, I'll put that out on uh, the timeline as a, as a word of the day card. And you'll have the kanji, the furigana, which is the little hiragana on top of kanji that tells you how to read it. Also in Romaji, so if you don't read Hiragana, you can uh, read the Romaji, and there'll also be a little English translation and explanation at the bottom of the card. And that's all for this episode. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening as always, and I hope to catch you tomorrow morning. Bye for now. <laughs>